Do you think that was a good one to start to get me alive enough? <laughs> Next week we're going to expect a few dancers up here. <laughs> <laughs> and also, is Pauline here by any chance? Pauline's at the back. Okay. Pauline, would you just stand? If you have to stand, I will not see her. In fact, you might not see her even though she is standing. <laughs> this is Pauline. And Pauline will be saying, anybody that wants to uh, find out more about Israel, Pauline will be at the back uh, at the end. We're going to look again at the soul. We looked at that last week. Um, body, mind and soul and I really feel that God wants us to continue with this. We're going to look at it today but we're also going to look at it again next week in a different way uh, and uh, before I do anything I want to read a few verses uh, and we're going to look at uh, Hebrews again just for a couple of verses. Uh, Hebrews 9, actually we'll look at Hebrews 8 first of all verse 5, talking about the Old Testament, how the priests ministered in the Old Testament in the tabernacle and it says in Hebrews 8 verse 5 that these priests served in a system of worship that was only a copy or a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning, be sure that you make everything according to the pattern that I have shown you here on the mountain. So we saw last week that the tabernacle in the Old Testament was a, an amazing picture of actually heaven, of what heaven is like. If we read over in chapter 9, verse 24, it says, For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven, the true holy place in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now, before God on our behalf. That's what I want to read just to start off with. And I want to remind you, those of you who weren't here last week, I want to remind you a little bit about the tabernacle. For This is not a great, I'm not a great drawer, and I haven't gone into detail, but I'm going to basically remind you, and for the benefit of those who weren't here last week, I think it would be good to do this. So just to say that the tabernacle, God gave Moses the pattern. I've just read that. And the pattern was a pattern based on what things were like in heaven. So here was the pattern. There was a, an outer court, which was like this. And there were like 20 poles. I haven't even counted them, but there were 20 poles up here, 10 across here, 20 down here, 10 across here. And there was uh, linen, these like linen curtains right around here so you couldn't see in. And right here, there was a gate. There were actually linen curtains across there as well. I didn't draw that very well. But there was a gate here, and the rest was all plain linen. But the gate was actually coloured. It was coloured in red and blue and purple. The gate was the only way in to the tabernacle. And you see, this speaks to us of Jesus. Because what did he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And there's no way to God except through Jesus. There's only the one gate. That's why Jesus stood up and said, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Jesus said that himself. So there's only the one way in. And what really blessed me was that this was all like linen colour. But this was painted bright red, blue and purple. You see, God didn't want them to miss the entrance. And God doesn't want you to miss the entrance into knowing him. So there was this outer court here. 
and this is where the priests offered their sacrifices. And then there was the holy place, and we're going to look at that more next week, what was in there. And then there was the holiest of all, and there was a veil across here, a very thick veil, that they couldn't go into this part because that's where God dwelt. That's where his presence dwelt. See, God wanted to be with his people. And actually, this they could take this down, and it was all planned, and, and the pattern was that they could put it on their shoulders, and they could march through the desert with this on them, because God wanted to be with them as they went through the desert. And that's the, that's the reason why the tabernacle was given. But it's a pattern. It's a pattern of something greater than this even. So the, the, the priests offered the offerings here, took the blood right in once a year. They did this every day. There were sacrifices here continually. But once a year, the high priest was allowed to go in and somehow he got through this curtain. And because he was bringing blood on a sacrifice, uh, God accepted him, even though uh, really... He, he was an unholy man, he was just an ordinary man. But the blood of the sacrifice was symbolic, pointing forward to what Jesus would do so that he could go in and be in God's presence. And the priest did this once a year. So uh, I wanted just to remind you from last week that this is a picture of the tabernacle in the desert. And this is, reminds us that the priests were working here all the time. They could never sit down. They were never allowed to sit in this whole area. They had to keep at it because the work was never finished. Remember whenever Jesus died on the cross, what he did was, this, this is a picture of the, of, the, of the heavens, what he did, he just didn't go in here to, to go to a, a physical place, but this here is a picture actually of heaven. He went right into heaven itself. And we said last week that this is a picture, a pattern of heavenly things. So just as there was an outer court, that outer court speaks of our body. The inner court here, the holy place, speaks of our soul. And the inner, innermost place, the holiest of all, speaks of our spirit. But it also speaks of the three heavens. See, did you, who knows that there are three heavens in the Bible? The Apostle Paul said that he was caught up into the third heaven. So the, the outer place speaks of the atmosphere. It's all around us. That goes up where the aeroplanes fly and where the, the birds fly and whatever. And then the inner place, this, this holy place here, speaks to us of outer space. You know, when you go break through the atmosphere, you go into outer space, that's where uh, the astronauts are going. But the astronauts don't realise that beyond that, that there's a, a holiest of all, there's a place, a third heaven where God dwells. So this, our universe is actually geared, and we as human beings are, we're made in this same image. And of course we know that there are three parts, that's the outer, the holy place, and the holiest of all. And we know that we are made in the, in the same image of, as God, and God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so this is a beautiful picture of how God uh, wants us to know that his desire is for us to become right into his presence here. Do you remember whenever Jesus died, what happened to this veil? It was torn in two, right? That's because God was making the way open that now man could come through because Jesus, not only uh, did he go right into the holiest of all, but he went right into heaven because this speaks of the, of the three heavens, the atmosphere, the outer space, and where God dwells. The holiest of all, where God sits on his throne in the heavens. 
and Jesus brought his own blood in there to open up the way for us. And therefore, when it, whenever Hebrews 4 tells us that we're to come boldly to the throne of grace, that's because he has cut the way through. His blood has made a way where we can come here. We enter through here by salvation when we realize that Jesus died for us, that he paid the price for our sins. When we realize that he became the sacrifice for our sins, then we can come in here. And this is getting what we call getting saved. And we go right then through, we have a right to go right through into God's presence. And that's what God wants us. So I'm just reminding you of last week. I'm reminding you that the, um, of the three places speak to us of body, soul and spirit. As well as speaking to us of the outer place, the holy place and the holiest of all. And also a picture of the heavens. The first heaven being the atmosphere, the second heaven being up here, outer space, and uh, let's take that down, outer space. None of us spaced out today. Yes. <laughs> and this one being of heaven itself, for God wills. Okay, do we have a lot all of that? Because that's basically what I'm trying to, to do again to remind you of that first page. And for the rest of our time, I wanted to look. At what our soul needs. Last week we said that our soul, this part of us here, is actually our our body. Sorry, it's not our body. It's our mind. It's our will, and it's our emotions. That's what your soul is. And we said last week that when you get saved, when you trust Jesus and you say, you know what, Lord, I'm coming, I believe when you died for me, please save me, I want to step into your presence. When you step into salvation, then the Holy Spirit comes to live in your spirit here. So this, this is the part of your spirit, this is your soul, your mind, your will and your emotions. The Holy Spirit lives here in you. And the Holy Spirit makes your soul alive. Remember last week we said that, that in the Garden of Eden, that because of sin, that the, the spirit part of us died. And it's only salvation that makes us come alive and the Holy Spirit comes to live in us here. This is our soul. Now, the, last week we looked at how it's our soul, our mind and our will and our emotions that get us into trouble. Would you agree with me? That's what the battle that we all have. Because although this, we are saved because the Holy Spirit's come to live in our spirit, and a, a lovely wee verse in Romans that, that actually just puts it beautifully, I think I'll maybe just read it to you, Romans chapter 8 says, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Isn't that amazing? That God's Holy Spirit comes to live in your spirit and is never going to leave you. The Bible says at the moment of salvation that you're sealed by the Spirit of God. And now the Holy Spirit's living here in you, and the Holy Spirit wants to influence your soul. And that's why Hebrews 4 talks about, and I'm going to read it again, because it's such a powerful verse. It says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before he, his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. So we see that the Holy Spirit uh, takes the word of God, and it's a, the word of God is alive, and the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to speak to your soul. Now, the way I looked at it last, year was, last week was that Jesus has, he, he broke through this, he, he 
the, the, the veil was rent in two. But do you know what the enemy does so often? <coughs> Through our own natures, and you know, we've lived a certain way, all of us, until we get saved, we have all these mind patterns and we all think different ways and we've all got these wee cycles of thinking and things that happen to us and problems and the way we look back at certain things. And every so often I think the enemy begins to bring up, tries to bring a blockage here so that you don't hear the word of God. Would you, believe, would you agree with me? And it's through the troubles of this world and the things that cause us anxiety and all the problems and all the things that, that just, you know, we, we remember and we're worried about for the future. We live in the past, we live in the future, we're afraid of the present. You know, and this here can become a bit jammed. But you see, the Holy Spirit wants to break through this. And it says here, the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. That's soul and spirit. So he can cut between this through the word of God. That's why it's a good idea to read your Bible. Because the word of God is so powerful and so alive, it will cut through this stuff that the enemy tries to put up, that actually you begin to feel and hear what God's saying to you through the Spirit, and it brings you life. It's it's alive, and it will it will sort you out here. Now, I laugh because uh, I'm not going to say who this was, but I left somebody home last week, and we were. I was telling them this in the prayer room, and uh, and you see, whenever we were talking, we realised there's a whole lot of things that were out of order. I want to talk to you today about how your soul can get disordered, because. We all know that there's lots of stuff going on in our lives that just churns us up and gets us all out of sorts. And our soul can become, our mind and our will and our emotions can get disordered. And as I left this person off last week, we decided that what they needed was order. So as she was getting out of the car last week, I was shouting, order, order, in the house. <laughs> right? And that's what God wants to do. He wants to bring order into our mind, our will, our emotions. He wants to bring us, align us with what the Holy Spirit says. And you see, whenever we're lined up with the Holy Spirit, that's when prayers get answered. Because you're praying in agreement with the Holy Spirit, you will see prayers getting answered like that. It's whenever we're all over the place and we don't know what we're... But you know what? Even in all our weakness, and we all get things wrong, do you know what the amazing thing is? That not only is the Holy Spirit speaking the Word of God into our lives, but the Holy Spirit himself is actually praying for us. I love this. Romans chapter 8 says that the Holy Spirit is praying for us with, in, with words that cannot be uttered. He prays for us in, in ways that we, um, that, that we don't even know. It tells us in Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't even know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. Isn't that amazing? And it says, And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Holy Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Isn't that amazing? So not only is he speaking the word of God into you and cutting through this all of this rubbish here, because it's rubbish that gets in our hearts. It's rubbish that makes us feel out of sorts. It's rubbish that blocks our soul from, from our spirit and from hearing the Holy Spirit. But he's also praying for us. And I think that's good news. Is that not good news? That the Holy Spirit's praying for you and that God the Father hears what he's praying. He knows what's God's will for you. And as he prays that, then God's working everything for good. 
everything to work out for good for you. That's the promise. That's the promise in Romans chapter 8. So you see, uh, these, uh, these verses are amazing. And the truth of this, and I, I feel, to tell you the truth, I feel like God has given me a whole revelation of this myself. I want to put this into, into, into action. I want to live this. Do you want to live this? So we're going to look and we're going to see that not only is the Holy Spirit praying for you, but Jesus is praying for you. This is amazing, isn't it? And we're going to look at a few of the things that our soul needs. And the first thing that our soul needs is to be saved. Remember, Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, 36, he said, what would it profit a man if he would gain the whole world and lose his own soul? See, your soul, this, your mind, your will and your emotions, this is the part of you, along with your spirit, that's going to live forever. Your body will decay. This is the body that we have at the moment. But your, this part of you is going to remain forever. Now, we're going to get a new body. It tells us again, uh, I think it's Romans 8, I'm reading this morning. Now, oh, I'll have to go back to Romans 8 again. Um, that God has actually preparing a new body. So, guess what? We're all going to be getting these real flashy new bodies. <laughs> it tells us in Romans 8, um, verse 23, And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, and we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. Amen. Tell you girls, we're going to be in some shape. We are going to be looking good when we get these new bodies. We'll be stepping it out. But this is the part of us that we're going to take with us right into eternity. And that's why it's so important that we listen to what uh, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, uh, at verses 1 and 2, when he said, I beseech you, I plead with you, would you present your body a living sacrifice? Which is just the reasonable, sensible, sensible thing to do. And, and he says, don't be conformed in your thinking to this world. Don't let your mind just continue to be thinking the way the world does, but be transformed. Ask God to help you to transform your mind that you might start to think the way the Holy Spirit thinks and that by the transformation of your mind that you might begin to prove what's the good and perfect and acceptable, the thing that you find so good and so acceptable, that will of God that's so good for you, that he has planned for you. Isn't that amazing? And you see, God, this is the way God wants us to live. And our job, really, as Christians, is to take our mind and our will and our emotions and begin to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And, you know, we have our good days and our bad days. Right. I had a bad day yesterday. I wasn't in great form. And, you know, last night I just felt like God said to me, you know what, you're a bit irritated. Something's not quite right. But just don't worry about it because you're going to be all right. And, and this wee psalm, and we're reading this psalm today, and it came to me uh, very much yesterday and this morning. And it's a Psalm, Psalm 43, and it's how you're supposed to talk to your soul. Now, do you all talk to yourselves? That's a good sign. That's not a sign of madness. That's a good sign. Because we're meant to talk to our soul. The psalmist talked to his soul. Here's what he said. This is in the uh, Living Translation. Oh, my soul, why are you so gloomy and discouraged? Trust in God. I shall again praise him for his wondrous help. And he will make me smile again, for he is my God. Here's the message. Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? 
Why are you crying the blues? A few of you here maybe been crying the blues, right? Fix my eyes, speaking to my soul. Soul, fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face because he's my God. Isn't that amazing? That God wants us to actually go through these. And you see when you go through these wee battles. Actually I read somewhere that if we don't have these wee battles we're not grow. You have to go through struggles. I mean a child can't grow unless it goes through the growing pains and has a bit of a struggle to get up on its feet. Isn't that right? So we've got to go through these things. Don't think that there's something wrong with you if you're having a bit of a struggle here. That's all a sign that there's life and it's a sign that God's working in you. And so God wants our job is to present our bodies and let our minds be transformed and start to think like the Holy Spirit. Think like Christ. Now we're going to look at what our soul needs. Our soul needs to be saved. And it tells us, and I haven't time actually to go into all of this, but I do want to mention a couple of things. It tells us in Psalm 40, you see, Jesus came to this world in a special body to be a special sacrifice for our sin. So instead of having, um, instead of having a priest offering a, an animal sacrifice on this altar, Jesus came to present himself as the perfect sacrifice. He came to, to, be the, 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 to, to, to give himself to be the, the final perfect sacrifice for our sins and he came in a special body and that body is spoken about prophetically in Psalm 40 where prophetically it's speaking of Jesus and Jesus says that I have come he says I says I delight to do your will oh my God yes I've come and then prophetically it says in the volume of the book it is written of me I delight to do your will oh my God and it's about how Psalm 40 is about how this body is is is, is going to be for Jesus to be our final sacrifice. I love this because really what Jesus was saying in everyday language, let me put it to you, what he was saying was prophetically that Jesus was saying, do you know what? I am going to do what my father has asked me to do. Even though Jesus knew what it would mean, he said, Father, I'm going to delight to do this. And he said, and, and he said, he says, I come in the volume of the book. Now that's an old fashioned way of it's a bit like saying what Jesus was saying was that he was going to come forth this psalm was speaking prophetically how Jesus was going to come forth in a special body that God had provided for him to be a sacrifice for sin and that God had written in a special scroll the things that Jesus was going to do for us and that Jesus was saying yes father I agree with that I'm going to delight in doing that because I love him too and the Godhead was in agreement and Jesus came in that special body and everything that God had wanted for his life was written in the volume of the book, in the scroll. But here's the thing that I think is amazing. It tells us in Psalm 139 that all our members were written in this book. And you know what I believe? I believe there's a scroll written in heaven with everyone in the name of Heaven's full of books. When Daniel was prophetically saw the end of time, the books were open. And I believe there's a scroll with your name on it. And, and all the details of you are in that, but all the plans that God has for your life are in that. But you know what? Satan does not want you to fulfill his plans. And so the scroll of the book for you is an agreement lining up with the Holy Spirit. 
It's saying, yes, God, yes, I'm going to say yes, even though I'm feeling out of sorts, even though I'm all anxious and I'm worried, and even though those bad things happen to me, I'm going to line up with you, and I'm going to, I'm going to allow you to do what you want to do. And you see, Jesus came in that body to die for you, to save you. And I wanted to read again just that, those verses in Hebrews 7. We're kind of going over stuff, but I don't care. I think it's really important we get it into our heads. It tells us in Romans 7, verse 23, there were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, do you hear this? Those Old Testament priests, that were every time they died, they'd replace, replace the priest with another one. But Jesus isn't going to die. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood, remember he wasn't just the sacrifice, he was the priest as well. He, he brought himself as a sacrifice. His priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he, Jesus, is able once and for, forever to save those who come to God through him. And he, he, he lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Now, that word save, that he came to save, another translation says he came to save to the uttermost. That means he came to save you body, soul and spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5 says that God wants to sanctify our bodies, our soul and our spirit. He wants to use all of us. And, and Jesus came to save you. But that word saved is the word sozo. S-O-Z-O. And here's what it means. It's not just that he's going to save you and pull you out of hell. It's, salvation is so much more than that. The word means to keep safe, to make well, to heal. To deliver or protect, to preserve and to make whole. Isn't that amazing? Jesus died to save you, and it means all of those things, to save you body, soul and spirit. You see, Jesus, when he died, he presented his body before the Father and his blood was taken right into before God. And because of what he did, we are saved forever. And not only are we forgiven, but he's living now with his Father. And not only is the Holy Spirit praying for, for, praying for us, but Jesus is praying for us. Isn't that incredible? That Jesus is praying for you all the time because he knows the struggles. And because he was a man and he knows what it's like to live in a human body, he can pray for you in a way that identifies with you because he knows the struggle of our flesh. He knows what it's like to be in a human body. He knows what it is to get tired. He knows all of those things and he can pray for you in a way nobody else can. Isn't that amazing? And, you know, there's a song that we sing sometimes, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. That's because he's praying for me and because of what he's done, he's saved everything about me. I'm saved and safe and healed and everything in that word. And so are you if you've trusted Jesus as your saviour. And if you haven't, today's the day to do it. Because Jesus is saying, come on, I'm the door, I'm the gate. Come on, come to me. I'll, I'll give you all you need. I want to save you. I want to set things in order in your life. And this is the call. And you know, whenever I was pregnant with William, I always remember this whenever I think of Jesus living forever. I remember we were with a group just about three days before William was born. And we were at this group with some handicapped friends up in Fermanagh. And I remember my cousin Stuart, we were singing songs. And Stuart said to me, right, we'll ask Maureen, what do you want to sing? And I was heavily pregnant. And I remember I asked to sing this song, Because He Lives. And I will never forget it. 
because as they sung this song, I want to, I want to read to you one of the verses of this song, and, and then you'll understand why it meant so much to me. Here's one of the verses. How sweet to hold a newborn baby, and feel the love and joy he brings. But sweeter far the calm assurance that this child can face uncertain days because he lives. Isn't that amazing? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I'll never forget it. With, I didn't know, I knew it was a boy, I knew I was having a boy, and I remember putting my hand just on my tummy, and I remember just saying, Lord, I'm believing that because you live, I can trust this child to you. How true that has proved to me over the years. You see, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. And no matter how much you mess up, Jesus is there. Do you know what I love? The word inter- intercedes, Jesus intercedes or mediates for you. Do you know what it's a picture of? It's a picture of a lawyer. Isn't that incredible? So whenever you get messed up or you've blown it or you've gone into a wall and you feel you're all over the place, you see, you've got to remember not only is the Holy Spirit pleading for you, praying for you, but Jesus is actually standing in heaven as your lawyer and he's saying, you know what? This one is legally clean because I paid the price. Isn't that amazing? And we can have this continual cleansing because he has paid for your sins, past, present and future. It's not just up until you get saved. It's the whole caboose is paid for. And he ever lives to make intercession for you. God wants us to know the joy of that. So your soul needs to be saved, and that's for sure. But as well as that, your soul needs to be in God's presence. You see, we, we are desperate. You know, sometimes we don't know what's wrong with us, and we're thinking, I don't know what's wrong with me. Do you know what's wrong with you? You need to be in God's presence. And because there's something, we were created in God's image. And there's something about the way he created us that longs for his presence. That's why the psalmist uh, in Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You don't mightn't realise what's wrong with you, but you're panting for God. Your soul is longing for God because the only person, the only thing that can actually satisfy your soul is God. That's, what, that's why everything's out of sorts. If you're not enjoying God. Another Psalm, Psalm 84, verse 2 says, I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of God. Isn't it amazing that we are made to enjoy him? And Psalm 16 and 11 says that in his presence there's fullness of joy. And Ephesians 1 tells us that we are accepted in him, in the beloved. You are loved he, he says, come on, you belong to me. You've trusted me, you belong to me. And so God wants us to know his presence and he wants us to find that rest of his love. Do you know there's something about resting in God? There's something about realising that he loves you so much that he's paid the price for everything, that all those things you're worried about, you can just roll them over onto him. And there's something just about finding that state of rest. In him and God wants you to find that rest. The trouble is that a lot of the time because our soul is so out of sync and because this is not actually a holy place because we've allowed the, the world to influence us because we've started to get all worried and started to get all fretting and starting to believe the lies of the enemy and we actually bring the lies of the enemy in here. Imagine Instead of making, allowing our soul, our mind, our will and our emotions to be a holy place and to be thinking what, what God's thinking, 
we bring in the lies of the enemy and, and we begin to believe what he tells us. Oh, this is going to be terrible and that's terrible and so you're no good. Oh, that's rubbish. Because the enemy doesn't want your soul to enjoy. Remember, this part of you saved, the Holy Spirit's here, but this part of you needs to be worked on because God wants you to allow him to actually help you. And he wants this, this is the voluntary part of you that he wants to change while you're on this planet. And he wants it to line up with what his Holy Spirit said. This part of you will be replaced, but this part of you, God wants, wants you to allow him, that you might know his peace and his joy and his presence right here and now, not just when you go to heaven. And you see, Jesus, uh, Jesus <coughs> wants you to know the joy of holiness. Uh, I know that Dave, while he was speaking on Sunday, and he talked about this, and he talked about how, you know, um, about how people think that holiness is a bit like a, a word that makes you cringe a bit because it's a bit like being religious or, you know, holiness is kind of restricting. You know, that means I can't enjoy my life. But do you know that holiness means happiness? That holiness releases you into the joy of God? And holiness is not a stuffy list of rules. Holiness is enjoying God and, and coming into line with what he says and, and Receiving it and, and living out in freedom because the things that you think you need are not what you need. In fact, if you give your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, if you give your soul all it's craving, you'll be the most unhappy person in this world. Your soul needs to say no to those things and then say yes to Jesus, and that's where the joy comes because his presence becomes so real and because you begin to live and move and, and every day it becomes an adventure because you're doing it in partnership with him. Now, I know that the enemy attacks and he doesn't want you to enjoy that, but that's what we're meant to enjoy. And, and I believe that God wants us to understand that the reason we can enjoy his presence is because of what Jesus did for us. So I wanted to just point out here, see this right here? When the Old Testament priests, when they entered into the tabernacle and they brought their sacrifices for sin, they offered a whole burnt animals on this altar called the brazen altar, or if you like, the, the, the bronze altar, made of, of bronze. Now, I wanted to tell you this because I just thought, I have to tell you a few things about the tabernacle because it's so amazing. I mean, if I was to go into, you know, a lot of this stuff, and there's other people that would know more than I do, but you see this, this bronze altar, it was made with what they called acacia wood. And the acacia wood was the toughest wood you could get. It grew out in the desert. In fact, it was virtually indestructible. And apparently the root went away down in the desert into the ground. And it, it was a, a, a tree that had no knots or anything in it. It was a really, you might say, indestructible tree. And, and the, 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 this altar was made from this wood. But then it was covered in bronze. And the bronze, apparently the ancients had an amazing way of treating bronze so that it became practically fireproof. So it was covered in bronze. And this is where the high, this is where the priests came and offered continuous sacrifices on this bronze altar. Now, everything about the tabernacle reminds us of Christ. 
heaven, heavenly things. Everything about it is a picture of Christ. What does this tell us about Christ? Well, it tells us that he was a perfect man. The wood speaks of his humanity. He was a perfect man. Remember it says in Isaiah 53 that um, there was no root uh, uh, um, or comeliness. Let me just read it. He was like a root, that's it. He was like a root out of the dry ground. Like, like the wood that was grown in the desert. He was a perfect man. You see, Jesus was God, but he was also a perfect man. And, and the word speaks to us of Jesus' perfect manhood. And then the bronze speaks to us of the judgment that he had to bear. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he took the heat for you on this altar. This is what he did for you when he died on the cross. He died so that you could go right into God's presence. And this is what makes you able to enjoy God's presence. Because Hebrews tells us again and again and again, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. We, our sins would stand between us and God because we're all born, the Bible says, in sin. Because of what happened way back in the Garden of Eden, we were born spiritually dead, already spiritually dead, and until we find Jesus as our Saviour and go through this gate of salvation and accept Jesus as our Saviour, then our spirit comes alive. Ephesians 1 says, you he is made alive. Your spirit comes alive. Holy Spirit lives in your spirit. And all of a sudden things begin to take shape and God has you where he wants you. So we see that uh, this, this bronze altar in the outer court speaks to us of the judgment that Jesus paid for you so that you could go to heaven. And this is wonderful news. But you see, not only does your soul need uh, to be made whole, not to be, to be saved, not only does your soul need to be in God's presence, but your soul needs to be clean. Right? And I love this, because we're still, we're, we're talking today about what's in this outer court. Next week we're going to look and see what was in the, in the happening in the this next place, in the holy place. But today we're looking at what's in this, in this um, court. The first thing was the, the bronze altar. The next thing was something called the laver, which was a basin or a bath. And this speaks to us how that when they, whenever the priests offered the sacrifice, then they would be busy working around here offering the sacrifice for sin. If they were going to go into this first part, before they went in, they had to wash their hands and their feet. And this labour was made of, bra of bronze, beaten bronze. It was actually, I will tell you something, it was actually made from the ladies' uh, mirrors. Because in those days, the bronze was polished up, highly, highly polished, so that the women were able to, you know when you and I put our lipstick on or whatever in the morning, you'd look into the looking glass. Well, the, the glass, the, the mirror from the ladies back then was actually highly polished bronze. And so it tells us in Exodus 38, you can look it up when you go home, it tells us that they, the, the, the woman that would have stood around the tabernacle, they asked them to give their mirrors so that they could make this labour, this bath, if you like, with the, these, this bronze, which was actually mirrors. And the idea being that when you'd lean over to wash your hands and your feet, you'd see yourself, right? And, uh, and, and then they would wash their hands and wash their feet. What does it speak of? It speaks about God's word. It speaks about how God's word shows us what the condition of, of our heart. It speaks about how it, we're saved by the blood of Jesus, but that every day God wants us to wash ourselves 
Remember Jesus' wife's the disciples' feet? And he said, uh, remember Peter said, oh, you know, not, not just wife's my feet, you're wife's me all. He says, no, but you don't need to be wife's all over because you're already clean. You just need your hands and your feet clean. You see, as we go, we can be saved, but as we go about our everyday business, we still get, we still go a bit AWOL, don't we? Get a bit down, talk about somebody, do something that doesn't please God. You need to be cleansed from it again. And believe me, you see, if you go long enough without getting cleaned up, you begin to feel dirty. And you begin to realise that you're not enjoying God anymore because all of a sudden, see, God's holy. And he says, be you holy because I'm holy. And if you want to enjoy my presence, then you better get rid of that stuff. Get that stuff off you. But God has made a provision because not only is there this sacrifice for sin with the blood of Jesus, but he said, come on, I've given you my word. Another name for Jesus is the word. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. He's going to come back and he's, going to, he's called the word. And he wants to speak to you through his word. And when you spend time in his word, you'll find yourself feeling clean again. And so as you look into the mirror and you realise that I'm a mess, you ever look into the mirror and think, my goodness, look at my hair is red, look at my face. Big blush up there, oh dear. You don't know what you look like until you look in the mirror. And it's God's word is a mirror. And that's why James says in James chapter 1, verse 23, for if you listen to the word of God and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, but you walk away and forget what you look like. That's what James says. And so, do you see this provision that God has for us? He wants, he wants you and me to be looking into the mirror of his word every day. I mean, when I get up in the mornings and I'm getting myself ready, after I've showered, the first thing I do is go and look at the old face. Do you not do that? And you put a bit of cream on it and you fix it up and get it sorted. Well, you see, we need to be doing that spiritually. And you see this labour, I love the fact when you're in the shower, you can be saying, Lord, just wash me down. Clean me off, Lord, just from all that stuff from yesterday and all that stuff that was getting me down. Just wash me clean again because, Lord, thank you. You died for my sins, but you've also made it possible for me to be cleaned up every day. It's amazing. God thinks of everything because he made you and he knows how you tick. Believe it or not, he knows everything about you. So your soul needs to be saved. Your soul needs to be in God's presence. Your soul needs to be clean. And I hope I haven't um, missed any bits and pieces. Oh, hang on. I nearly missed something that I'm, that's really important. You see, we're supposed to enjoy God's presence. And it's sin, you see, whenever we get dirty that stops us enjoying his presence. He's there all the time, but we just don't enjoy it because this old, we're, we're dirty. And when he cleaned up again. That's why when you come here and you need to hear the word of God on a Tuesday and you go out and you feel good, it's because you've had a bath. You've been washed. The word has washed you. And you go out ready for anything. And, but God wants us to learn to live like that. And I want to read just a wee bit of a story here about a man called Nicholas Herman. Let me read this to you. Centuries ago, a man named Nicholas Herman, who was an uneducated household servant from a poor family, he got converted to the Christian faith by looking at a tree. Would you believe this? It was winter and the tree was barren. But it occurred to Nicholas that the tree would grow leaves again in the spring. This produced in him a deep sense of God's care and power. It struck him that if God does that for trees, he would surely do it for a person. So this young man entered into a monastic community, spent his life in the kitchen as a cook and a dishwasher. 
And all the while, privately, he devoted his life to being with God, to being in God's presence. Today, we know this man as Brother Lawrence. When he died, friends gathered some of his letters together and turned them into a book. And the book is called The Practice of the Presence of God. It was written in the 17th century and is now thought to be the most widely read book in the history of the human race other than the Bible. And this was from a non-educated dishwasher. When the soul is with God, it doesn't matter if you're a dishwasher or a president. The soul thrives not through accomplishments, but through simply being with God. See, God wants us to enjoy being with him. God wants us to enjoy his presence. It says here, I'm reading to you here from John Ortberg's book, The Soul, Keep- Soul Keeping. If, if you can get this book, read it, because it is a great book. A lot of, this really inspired me a lot of what I'm saying. Here's what John Ort- Ortberg writes. God wants to make every moment of my life glorious with his presence. This is the core of the with God life. Do you want that kind of a life? It's not just that he wants to be with us, but that he desires to make our lives glorious. See, that's not a word that we use often, but it's a great word when we think of the effect of being with the effect of being with God and how it can have an effect on our souls. It means basically that God wants to fill our souls with beauty, splendor, wonder and magnificence. It's what makes people say when they have been with you, there's something really different about her. She just seems to shine no matter what. But this is not something reserved for the saints of the church or for super spiritual people. God desires this for all of us. That is the whole point of tending to the soul. You've got to look after your mind your will and your emotions. You've got to do it because I can't do it for you and nobody else can do it. Only you can. Only you, only you can look after your soul. Only you can ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Only you can ask God to help you to bring your soul, your mind, your will and your emotions into line with what God says. And God wants you to know that he has a hope and a future for you. And finally, before we finish, not only does the the Lord want your soul to be saved, uh, to know his presence and to be clean, but God wants you to know that your soul needs purpose and God's approval. See, there's something about us and... um, there's something about us that, uh, that longs to have significance. John Ortberg re- refers to this. He says, significance is about who we are before it's about what we do. Most of us think it's all about what we do. But God says, no, I want you so I want, I want, it's about, I, God says, I'm more, more impressed by you and what you are. You're a human being, not a human doing. And God says, I'm more concerned about who you are. And then as you allow him to fill you with his presence, enjoy him every day, as you lean into him, then you begin to change. And the fruit comes. And you begin to do those things that he's called you to do. And it comes automatically from who you are in Christ. 
I love the wee story here Philip gave on Sunday morning, and I love that he said about that word abide, because leaning into God or abiding in God is, is, is what God talks about in John 15. And, and Philip said that that word abide actually comes from the same word uh, from a story in the book of Acts. Remember whenever, those of you who know the story, where Paul was on a ship, and the ship was going to be shipwrecked, and the front of it got stuck uh, in, into, the ship got stuck into, but it got lodged in the ocean, and the back of the ship broke off, but the front of it was stuck, was immovable, couldn't move. He was saying that position of the ship being stuck and not able to be moved is the same word as abide. And God wants you and I to abide in him, to lean into him, to get stuck in him. And said, you know what, God, I'm going nowhere. I'm leaning into you. I'm trusting you in this. Do you see having faith in God, trusting him for every circumstance? There's something about that 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 just brings us to a place where we can rest in him, where we can actually realise that he's doing something in us through all the troubles. And as we rest in him and know that he has died for our sins, know that he wants to wash us clean, know that he has plans and purposes, knowing that he has made us for significance, that he has a plan for you written in the scroll, and it's going to come to pass. All you've got to do is lean in and trust in him. And as you trust in him, then things begin to change, and you begin to realize that you are changing because you're in his presence. See, the thing is that Jesus knew who he was. And I just think this is really, really important. There's a whole lot more I could say, but I'm going to wind up and we'll, we'll say it next week. All right? But Jesus knew who he was. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. He knew who he was. He could, he could say all of this. But then he looked to his disciples and he said, you are. You are the light of the world. He, he spoke to them. He said, you know, he looked to his disciples and he told them who they were, that they were light bearers, that they were those who could be a blessing. I want to see if I can get this. Yeah. He said, here's what he said. He said to his followers, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are a city on a hill. And you see, God knows who you are and he wants you to know who you are, that you carry his light. God wants you to know that you have purpose, that you are, you bring salt to the world. You bring flavor and, and, and you help to preserve good things. You're, you're, you're a salt person, you're a light person. God has plans for you. And he wants you to know what those plans are. He wants you to know that you have significance. And you see, this was the area that, I'm not gonna go into it from this book at all, but I just wanted to read just this bit about significance. It says, we were made to make a difference beyond ourselves. Significance. Our lives were meant to be signs, significant signs that point beyond ourselves to God. Significance is about who we are before it was about what we do. Believe that God wants you to know today that he has real significance over your life. He has a purpose over your life. And when Jesus came, before he started his ministry, before he went to do all that God had called him to do, do you remember the Father looked out of heaven and the Father spoke over him and he said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I want to finish with this today. 
Because you ask Jesus to be your saviour, God looks at you and you're in Christ. That's, that's the way he looks at you. His blood pays a price for you. And God sees you in Jesus. And when, when you read those words and you hear those words, you're my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He is speaking those words over you as well as over Jesus. Because you know what? You could never make yourself perfect. <laughs> you could never make yourself get to be clean and proper and all the rest of it. Only the blood of Jesus can make you perfect. But you are perfect in him. You couldn't make yourself righteous, but you are righteous in Christ. And Father God looks down at you today and he says, you're my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. And you know what? I believe that God wants us to live in that approval. He wants us to know that, we're, that our soul is safe. He wants us to know that our mind and our will and our emotions can come into line and we can enjoy God's presence. He wants us to know what it is to um, experience not only his presence, but experience that we're clean and we're enjoying him. And he wants us to know that we have significance and his plans and his purposes for us will come to pass. God knows how to take you forward. What about the order in your life? What about your situation today? Where is your soul today? Is it disquieted? Is it, is it discouraged? God wants you to start talking to your soul. He wants you to start to talk and say, you know what, you know what, soul? Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you, cry why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face, he's my God. See, yesterday, I did not feel like preparing this yesterday. Yesterday, I just, I was great. I had a lovely time with the Lord in the morning. And see till about three o'clock or half three, don't know what it was. Just something came over me. And it was I was all churned up and disquieted and I could hardly look at, at this preparation. And I went to bed last night and I got into bed early and I just sat and looked at it. And I thought, Lord, I don't know what's wrong with me. I do not know what has hit my soul. And I just felt like God said, You know what? A couple of things. I felt he said, It's good that you realise that you can't do it without me. That's the first thing. The second thing was, I felt like he said to me, do you know what, what about starting to thank me for it anyway? See, that always works for me. Whenever, I, whenever I'm feeling out of sorts and I start saying, you know what, God, thank you for this. Thank you. I know you're bringing good out of this. I'm putting my hope in you. You know, I, I begin to feel a bit better. But you see, this morning when we went into that prayer room and I started to speak it out, I could feel that stuff actually leaving me. Because see, when you start to choose to speak out loud, so get into line because you know what my god is going to put a smile on my face and you'll be hightailing it out the door begin to speak it out in faith begin to say god thank you everything's in order because you died to set it in order in my life look at the order it's lined up he knows what he has for you but i'll tell you the enemy will come and lies in here to try and disquiet this part of you Try and get you all churned up and starting to believe in lies of the enemy. This part of you needs to be full of God's truth. And we're going to look next week at what the furniture was in there. I tell you what, God has so much for us. And this is just like a wee picture book. It was like God saying to the Israelites, here's a picture book, a children's book. 
Do you learn the big truth of what I'm going to do? Because you know what? God has a big plan, not just for your life and mine. That's amazing. But he's a big plan for this entire world and for the universe. He is going to set up a new kingdom and we're going to be part of it. Is that not exciting? If we could really, I'm at the end of this book, this book here, Soul Keeping by John Ortberg, if you want to get it. At the end of it, he talks about how if he had just realised how good it could be, he'd have got himself sorted out long ago. <laughs> Do you know what? It can be so good, but you've got to trust God. And you've got to say yes to Jesus. Yes, Holy Spirit. You're praying for me. Jesus, you're praying for me. Help me, I present my body a living sacrifice. Here you are, take it. I'll never forget coming down the road from Inniskillen, I don't know, many years ago. And I remember listening to worship music on the way down, and the song was holy, available to you. And I remember I cried that, I shouted it out, the tears running down my face. I said, God, my body is holy, available to you. You do whatever you want because I trust you. I tell you, my life was never the same again. You see, when we start to make those declarations, we say, God, come on, do whatever you want to do. Get my soul in shape. Get order into my life. You know what happens? It begins to change me, but it begins to change even the way I look at people around me. It begins to change everything in my world. God wants to change you from the inside out and he wants to set you body, soul and spirit lined up to do his purpose on the earth that you'll fill in that scroll and you'll do everything he's called you to do. Is that not good news? I could take a jump up and down here. I fall off that one. Let's believe it. Father, thank you that you're such a good God. Thank you that you love us to the very deepest part of it, Lord. Your, your word says to the uttermost. Lord, that's right into every nook and cranny that you love us. And Jesus, you died to save us. So, so, oh Lord, the healing from the past, from the mistakes, from the abuse, from the grief. Lord, so, so, your salvation heals us to the very uttermost, that we become whole and healed. Lord, that our bodies come into line and we begin to offer everything we've got to you. Lord, may there be something change. May there be people moving forward, coming to another level of knowing you today. Lord, we're calling forth your plan for every single woman in this place. In Jesus' name. We're going to stand up at the end. We're going to sing it as well with my soul. It's a different one from last week. There was a few people last week who uh, sang it a bit different. Really sing it because if it's not well with your soul, come up and see it. Because we'd love to pray because God wants to make it there.